What is up, Cyber and Crypto family? Hope everybody's doing all right. Today is July the 8th of 2020. This is episode number 106 of the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. I'm your host, Eric English. All the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely my opinions and do not reflect that of my employer. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy. All right, so it's been a while since I've done a podcast. Sorry for that. I kind of took a little hiatus with all the craziness going on in the world and didn't want to be ridiculously repetitive with everything happening with COVID and too much, I guess, of the same thing being said all throughout podcasts and the internet and various websites and whatnot. It was quite annoying, I guess, to me, and I didn't want to be an additional annoyance for anyone else. So for those reasons, I refrain from doing a podcast, but things have started to slowly come back to, to normal here, and hopefully we can all get through this crazy time and be better at the end of all this. So again, sorry for such a hiatus there, but hopefully we can dive right back into kind of where we were and I can talk about some of the things I've been working on personally. And I want to start diving a lot more into privacy as well. So you'll hear a lot more about privacy on this podcast moving forward. So with all those things said, there's quite a bit of news related stuff that I wanted to talk about uh, also going to talk about privacy stuff, like I said, and then some crypto stuff. Crypto has been doing quite well here recently, so we'll dive into that as well. So we'll start first on the cybersecurity side of things. So one of the first topics I wanted to dive into is, really, it's a crazy story. If you haven't read about it yet, it's uh, the encrypted phone maker called IncroChat, E-N-C-R-O-C-H-A-T. Wow, what a story that has been. Uh, really, it's crazy to see how much these criminals trusted the encryption on the phone. Uh, IncroChat basically touted their phone as super secure. Nobody can hack it. Nobody can snoop. Nobody can tell what you're doing. And they marketed their phone to primarily criminals, unfortunately. But European and British law enforcement, they arrested hundreds and hundreds of alleged drug dealers and other criminals after infiltrating the IncroChat global network. Wow. I mean, talk about crazy stuff. They were able to listen in and, and read messages about drug deals, money laundering, extortions, even murder-related stuff. So talk about crazy. But IncroChat was supposedly some top-secret encrypted communication uh, app, and they had their own phones that they were releasing as well. And... <laughs> Guess what? They they got apparently they I guess they got hacked by European law enforcement. But I'm not I'm definitely not doing the story justice. Uh, if you haven't read it, go out there and check it out. I'll I'll post the article in the show notes to go read and check that out. But wow, they seized all kinds of money and drugs and guns and you name it. So oh yeah, even cars too that they that they seized because of all this. So IncroChat even apparently notified. A lot of the users of their devices and chat applications that it's no longer secure, but apparently criminals just kept using it. So, wow. Talk about crazy, crazy stuff there. So, yeah, I'll post that article in the show notes for you to check out. It's definitely a cool read to hear all the stuff that went down there. The article from Vice, I think, is the one that's better. There's one on Hacker News and there's also one on Vice. 
The one on Vice, I think, is slightly better. But anyway, that was pretty cool to read about. Some other very recent news. The Blue Leaks data dump that uh, contained a bunch of sensitive information on police and whatnot. Well, they figured out who hosted that Blue Leaks data dump. And it's basically a WikiLeaks-like service, and it's called DDoS Secrets. So the... All this data was posted shortly after all the th- the stuff went down in Minnesota with George Floyd. And uh, wow, they figured out who was hosting this information, who had got this information, and they've taken it down since. So law enforcement was pretty quickly on top of that one to get, to get that one out of there. Kind of interesting. But apparently it was seized by German authorities too. So that has since been taken down and seized. But I believe you can still go to that... DDoS Secrets website via Tor if you really want to. But, of course, be careful if you're going to go out there and do that. Some other pretty big hacking-related news. This was posted by Cointelegraph, which I thought was kind of weird, but I'm assuming since cybersecurity and crypto paths cross quite a bit, uh, especially when the attackers are requesting ransom payments in Bitcoin and whatnot, that they decided to post this on Cointelegraph.com. So, but anyway, this is related to they're calling it a uh, there's some massive cyber crime gang that holds thousands of databases for ransom. Uh, the the total number of databases twenty two thousand nine hundred unsecured databases. Wow, that is pretty wild right there. So these these hackers are basically holding them ransom and they're requesting Bitcoin payments. <laughs> in exchange for a backup of the data. Apparently they've wiped the data on these databases. So, And guess what database type these were? That's right, Mongo databases. Hey, I think we've heard this tune a bajillion times before, right? So, But they're calling it wiping and ransom. So instead of encrypting the database to something that is unreadable by the owner, they decided to go ahead and wipe it, but beforehand they made a backup so that they can hold them for ransom. Their total ransom number right now is $3.2 million in Bitcoin that they're asking. Wow. But that equates to about 140 bucks for each database. So grand scheme of things, I guess it's not too crazy, but I can only imagine what tactic these hacker, hackers use. They probably just got out there on Shodan and did some basic MongoDB port scans and found a bunch of them that were wide open and took them over. Now they're holding them ransom. But that's a ton of unsecured databases out there. I know we read about these all the time in the news, in security news, but the fact that that many more were found by this group and wiped and held ransom is just a staggering number. just shows you how poorly configured Mongo databases typically are. And the fact that people put them out on the internet is even more puzzling to me. But nonetheless, that that was an interesting one there. So I haven't seen that yet. Also saw that there was some new Mac ransomware, and I don't think we've seen a lot of ransomware for Mac just yet, but that was a pretty big deal too, since Macs have typically been kind of, I don't want to say immune, but they're not normally targeted. The malware is being dubbed Evil Quest Mac ransomware. So not only is it ransomware in the traditional sense that it encrypts your stuff, but it also has a keylogger, crypto wallet stealing abilities, and all kinds of fun stuff like that. So really up in their game there in the ransomware world. But they're saying this is being spread via pirated software packages. So if you are a 
Mac user and you like to pirate your software, you might want to be careful because you might get some of this nasty, nasty Mac ransomware there. But again, here you see crypto involved in ransomware attacks and they're stealing uh, wallets and encryption keys if they can. So the two paths cross quite often there. All right, some other news here. I wanted to kind of jump into some privacy-related news. I've personally been tinkering around with several different privacy-based phone operating systems, one of which is called E. Uh, it's the website's e.foundation. And it only works on certain devices, of course, but they've got a pretty long list of devices that they do work with. So I've been using that and also been testing uh, Lineage OS without installing the Google uh, the Google apps on there. So it's been an interesting test <laughs> of how married I am to Google. <laughs> and uh, what's interesting too is the, the E operating system, and they're based in Europe, by the way, but they're very privacy, privacy focused and all that kind of good stuff. However, what I found with the E operating system for it's by the way it's an android operating system and they make it look just like an iphone too if you install it and use it, it looks the interface is damn near identical to iphone except it's an android they use a, a specific launcher that's escaping my mind right now but they make it look like it's just like an iphone bliss launcher that's what it is so e.foundation if you want to go check it out they, they have quite a few devices they support i think up to 96 or something like that so it's fun to tinker around with. I bought an old, really old uh, Google Nexus 5X and installed it on there. You have to get an unlocked phone or at least a phone that you can put a different bootloader on. So if you're not familiar with that whole process, uh, I'd be very cautious doing it to your daily driver phone. But you do have to have a phone that's able to be, uh, the bootloader is able to be changed out. And uh, you install, it's called TWRP. You install that as your bootloader, and then you can flash various ROMs on your Android device. So I picked a really old uh, crappy phone just because I didn't want to pay a lot of money for it, and I got one on Swappa for about 50 bucks, I want to say. So I didn't really spend a ton on it, just so I can tinker around and see if I could live with without Google <laughs> in my life. And I will say it's hard. It really is. I'm, I've been so married to a lot of their stuff. However, I realized, too, there's so many privacy issues as well. So I'm, I'm trying, but it's it's certainly not easy. But with the e-operating system, they do an open source version of Google Apps, essentially. And it's kind of weird how it works. So you, you still sign in with your Google credentials to get you know various Google services. Whereas if you use Lineage OS and you do not install the Google Apps, then... You cannot use your Google account to log into anything. You have to download your apps from either F-Droid is one of the app stores or the Aurora store to get any kind of you know Android apps that you're used to using. What's interesting about the Aurora store is they give a privacy score for each app um, that you're about to download. So it does connect into uh, Google's app store. And you can do that using just a burner Google account if you so choose. And then from there, you can install basically all the apps that you normally would on your standard Android phone with the Google Play Store and all that kind of good stuff on it. The good news is the Aurora Store doesn't track anything. They don't log anything. And plus, you log into that with a burner Gmail account in order to access the Google Play Store 
so it's kind of like using a, a third-party app store, but it's still connecting into the Google App Store. But it's cool because they give you a privacy rating for each app, and I'd say the, the vast majority have a privacy rating. They'll tell you how many trackers each app has that you're going to install. So right now, I'm, I'm still on the Lineage OS. Uh, I switched from the e.foundation operating system. It's, it's hard to pick between the two. The, the e operating system was very slick, very smooth. You can tell they've put a lot of development into it. Uh, Lineage is a little, you know, hit or miss. You got to get it on XDA developers on their forum, typically, and it's not always updated. Whereas you get updates, you can tell they're very much working on the operating system, and you get some of the newer versions of Android. So there are some benefits to using the E dot Foundation OS. So I'm still kind of tinkering back and forth between which one is more private slash secure. And as of right now, I'm trying to unmarry myself from all the Google stuff. And I would say that that's probably the hardest part. But in keeping with privacy themes there, if you use burner accounts on all your phones, I guess it's not really a big deal. But I have not been using burner accounts up until here recently. So kind of just starting down my privacy journey in general to see what's best for me and how far I can really take it. So that's what I've been doing on the privacy side of things. And I'll keep everybody updated as to which operating system I decide to go with long term as I get further into my journey. But I tell you what, it's tough. It's tough getting away from all the Google services that are so super convenient, but man, they track the heck out of you. It's hard. At the same time, you have to think about what is your threat model what is what is really a threat to you? Are you hiding from something or are you just an enthusiast? Some people have real true threats to their life and to their livelihood, and some just like to do it for fun, like me, for now at least. Uh, by the way, if you haven't listened to a podcast by Michael Bazell, I highly recommend going out there and checking it out. It's the Privacy, Security, and OSINT show. Check out his podcast. He has a lot of cool stuff that he talks about as well as far as privacy goes. And some privacy-related news. Uh, I don't think this is really anything new, but uh, there were some more Facebook privacy issues. Of course. Of course. But they found another, basically another 5,000 application developers that continued to receive previously authorized users' data after the access should have been cut off. So... What a surprise, huh? <laughs> yeah, Facebook is trying. They really are, but they forgot about 5,000 other app developers there. No big deal, right? Just another 5,000. One that really caught my attention was DuckDuckGo, and they're supposedly a privacy-based search engine. Well, guess what? They were found to be either intentionally or unintentionally tracking websites uh, users visited on Android browsers. It's very specific to Android browsers, which is unfortunate. But uh, DuckDuckGo did come out and say that they fixed the issue. So they're saying that you know they're they're saying that they were tracking people. However, it, it could have been unintentional, right? It could have just been a, an oversight on their part. But essentially, they stored the favorite icons, the little icon that's displayed in the browser tab of the various websites 
on one of its servers, right? So as a result, when you visit a website, uh, DuckDuckGo's Android browser would request the favorite icon from its server, which is then transmitting the browsing data of that user, uh, of course, without asking the user. So yes, technically they could have been tracking the various websites that you go to, whether or not you believe it is up to you. It could have just been an oversight. This is specifically using the uh, DuckDuckGo browser. And I do not use their browser, so I was not affected by this one, thankfully. But nonetheless, they've come out and fixed it. They had a statement that they came out with. I think they tweeted it out. But essentially, they said that you know they do not and have not ever collected any personal information, yada, yada, yada. So do you believe it? It's up to you. But it was kind of big news. It was like, oh, man, I use those guys. But I guess it's up to you whether or not you believe they were actually tracking you. Some other privacy news, uh, if you haven't already heard, iOS 14 for Apple phones has quite a bit of new privacy-related features in it, and one of them is called the Universal Clipboard Privacy Feature, and using this feature, a bunch of folks were able to find out that LinkedIn, if you had the LinkedIn app on your iOS device, they were copying the contents of the clipboard uh, basically, and every keystroke too, uh, which is uh, which is pretty bad. Why they're doing this, who knows? But uh, TikTok was also found to have been doing this. So I guess good for Apple for allowing people to see this. But man, shame on LinkedIn and TikTok, which I guess I'm not real surprised about TikTok. Uh, LinkedIn, I guess I'm more... Uh, embarrassed i guess more than anything that they would do something like that linkedin's owned by microsoft now microsoft came out and said that they don't store or transmit the clipboard contents so again it's up to user interpretation whether or not you believe that now with tiktok (laughs) i would bet they are transmitting that information i would be shocked if they aren't and i've got another article about tiktok if you want to read it i don't think it's any surprise to anybody that's in the security space but it was pretty interesting to see uh, there's a guy that reverse engineered the TikTok app and everything that they do and how much they track. And it was pretty staggering, all the stuff that he found. But TikTok's not the only one doing it. Now apparently LinkedIn, and I'm sure that there's a lot of others that we're just not aware of yet. So anyway, iOS 14, uh, I think it's might still be in beta. Maybe it's out now. I'm not sure. I don't have an Apple phone, but pretty cool privacy-related feature coming out for the Uh, Apple iOS here. So kudos to Apple for that, for catching these guys doing this kind of crazy stuff. And some other privacy-related stuff here. There was a former Yahoo employee who was uh, not sentenced to any jail time for basically hacking the accounts of 6,000 young women. Um, And, of course, he worked at Yahoo, so he had access to pretty much whatever he wanted to, apparently. And he used his access to then gain further access into these folks' Dropbox accounts, Facebook accounts, Gmail, iCloud, you name it. Uh, He apparently had over two terabytes of data that he had collected. Wow. Two thousand, or I'm sorry, two terabytes of data on 6,000 women. Wow. That's just terrible. And they didn't even give the guy any jail time. They gave him five years probation. uh, Sorry. Five years house arrest and probation. So he gets to sit at his house for five years. And he has to pay restitution 
of $118,000. Good luck coming up with that. (laughs) But this guy can only leave his house now for work, medical appointments, religious stuff, or court-related tasks. That's pretty interesting that they didn't give this guy more jail time. You would think that doing something like that would get you quite a bit of jail time, but apparently not. (laughs) So they're, they're citing that he cooperated with authorities and also did not post the data online anywhere and so therefore gets less of a sentence somehow i guess that's okay not really well anyway i guess that's up not for me to decide i'm not a judge but there's one more reason that your privacy is so important i mean especially for women i mean i don't think i don't think many guys are targeted and stuff like this they could be i don't know but I think women are a bigger target for things like that specifically. And this is why zero knowledge providers are really where you want to put anything that's sensitive at all. Obviously, you don't want to be taking nudie pics of yourself and and storing them in iCloud unencrypted. That's, of course, that's on you if you decide to do that. But if you really want to protect your privacy, you don't use things like Yahoo or Google, for example. You would use Proton Mail for your email. Actually, you know what? A cool thing, too. I just saw Proton Mail is coming out with their own uh, Dropbox or Google Drive like service. So that's cool. It's I think it's in, may not even be in beta yet, but they announced it's coming. So that's pretty cool. And they are, of course, a zero knowledge provider. So they cannot see anything that you have stored with them at all, even if they wanted to. So that's where. Zero knowledge providers are what you want to stick with for anything that you're going to store in the cloud on somebody else's systems. Especially if you're taking nudie pics of yourself. Come on, seriously. Use chat apps like Signal, Wicker, Wire, Session, whatever you want to use. Make sure it's encrypted, all that kind of good stuff. Set your messages to expire if you're going to take you know photos of, of yourself like that. That's your prerogative, of course, but... At least protect yourself in the process. But if you have kids at home, any of them are girls, now is the time to start teaching them to really, really care about privacy because, you know, this can happen to anybody. And yeah, this guy didn't post it online, uh, but who's to say there's not another Yahoo engineer that's doing the same thing that is posting it online, right? Or that will post it online here in the future. And it's not just Yahoo, but this is just what this article was about. But maybe it's a, a Google employee that has a similar level of access. I mean, you, I don't know. Even, I mean, really any provider like that that's free, well, it's free for a reason. They're going to look at what you're storing there. They're going to read your emails. They're going to do all that stuff to target you with advertisements. So they can read and see everything that you do. So that's why you stick with the zero knowledge providers as, as much as you can. All right, so let's jump over to crypto. Man, I tell you what, last few weeks, actually last few months have been insane. Crypto went way down. I mean, we were in the 4,000 range for Bitcoin, and today we're sitting at, pull it up here, $9,428 for Bitcoin, 246 for Ethereum. Ripple's still disappointing at 20 cents. But yeah, overall, we're seeing a huge jump. Now, here's where a lot of the crypto market seems to be jumping in. Uh, we're seeing what's called the decentralized finance apps come out for uh, or come out on the Ethereum blockchain, their tokens. And we're seeing tons of these. It's basically crypto lending. And the 
that space alone has brought something like, I forget what the number was, but essentially the money in Ethereum right now is going up like crazy, just overall market share. Um, and I believe it was a to something to the tune of $60 billion was moved from Bitcoin to Ethereum over the last few months. And it's because of this decentralized finance uh, tokens that are coming out, allowing people to invest and people to lend and all kinds of different things using the Ethereum blockchain and the ERC-20 tokens. So we're seeing a ton of that right now. And it is crazy to watch how many of these coins that have come out. Uh, if you're on Coinbase, uh, Kyber Network is one of these uh, cryptos in the DeFi space, they call it. And you want to talk about a, a huge, huge leap. Uh, just this year, they're up 546%. And, you know, we're seven months into the year now. So, yeah, <laughs> you can see how far we're... we're leaping with this and that's just one example so we're seeing just a huge spike in that space in general so if you're a day trader i know you're out there looking at those tokens specifically and rightfully so uh apparently all the people on tiktok too were pumping up the price of i've always called it dogecoin but everybody says it's doge whatever it is uh, they've been pumping that price up like crazy it's up like 40 percent so talk about crazy right now with the crypto markets. Of course, you never know what's going to happen. It could all tank tomorrow, but today we're seeing lots of green, and that's good. Some of the biggest movers of today, at least. Chainlink is one of them, 0x Protocol, Stellar Lumens, and even Ripple. They're all up uh, each about 10% just today. So seeing a lot of positive movement in the crypto market just in general there. So, But that DeFi space is really what's blowing up the market right now. And Ethereum 2.0 is still on the horizon. They have not yet announced an official date. They keep pushing it and pushing it. And I'm sure that the pandemic has something to do with, with a little bit of that. But nonetheless, it's coming. Ethereum 2.0 will be fully staking. Of course, there'll be a transition period where you can both mine for Ethereum and do staking as well. But in the end, it will just be a staking coin. And I think a lot of people are expecting Ethereum just to go through the roof once it's fully converted over to Ethereum 2.0. Of course, nobody really knows, but that's all the speculation out there right now. So if you're an Ethereum holder, you might be very happy to see the price where it is now. It's, it's fairly cheap. But that may go up quite a bit here in the future once Ethereum 2.0 comes to fruition eventually. Coinbase, too, by the way, has listed quite a few new assets. Um, I'd mentioned one of them, Kyber Network, I think is how it's pronounced. Uh, one of the others, uh, Maker is on there, MKRs or Signal, or Symbol, I should say. And Compound is another one of those DeFi uh, tokens. So quite a bit on their uh, platform as well now, too. Oh My's Go is also now listed on there. I don't think that was on there uh, three months ago. So they are listing more and more and more tokens and coins on Coinbase nowadays. Some other interesting news about the Binance app on your phone. With all these apps doing all this spying and whatnot, specifically TikTok, LinkedIn, you name it. Well, apparently the Binance app 
has the ability to record audio. Uh, it also has the ability to use your camera. Now, of course, when you install these apps, you can elect to deny these permissions, which of course you should, but they're basically, Binance was saying that they use it for the know your customer process that's required uh, for the US. But remember that when you do that and you allow that access, you need to go back and then deny that access in your app permissions when you're done with your KYC process. Typically, they, you, you know, you'll use your camera to take a picture of your ID, for example, and send it to Binance so they can verify that you're a legit U.S. citizen and all that kind of good stuff. So they're saying that's what it's used for, but the microphone still really is kind of up in the air, but Binance, of course, came out and said, no, it's not spyware. We're not spying for the Chinese government, blah, blah, blah. But just more reason for you to make sure that no matter what app you're using, it doesn't have to be a cryptocurrency app, but any app that you use, make sure you check the permissions and go back to and review all the permissions on all your apps just to make sure that you're not allowing something that you don't want, you know? Uh, newer versions of Android allow you to give the app permission only when it's running, so that's kind of nice. But don't rely on just that. Uh, make sure that you go through periodically and remove or block or disable access to various things that apps just really don't need. They don't need to know your location all the time. They don't need to know or need to have access to your microphone or your camera. Whatever it is, make sure you go and, and audit those permissions yourself and turn them off as needed. All right, folks, that's all I've got for today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy, at CyberCryptoGuy on Twitter. Check me out on there. I retweet a bunch of the articles that we talk about here on the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again soon.